Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. Is that time of year when the divisions are decided, the champions are crowned, and legends are born? It's the NFL playoffs. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere, my bookie. They're the industry-leading online sports book and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, and college ball, MMA and soccer, they've got them all. The latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder and live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit-matched Halfway up to $1,000, just use the promo code 3YARDS, that's the word 3YARDS, when you make your first deposit. The best part is that make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at my bookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Caddy. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And it's not a winning or a losing edition because the Dolphins, you know, they didn't play. They didn't play this past wildcard weekend. But Simon... For those that are still playing, we would recommend that they get on the Manscaped website and buy some of their new products, and especially the new refined cologne. Tell me what you think this sounds like, all right? This is how they describe the refined cologne. Opening with a light citrus burst, it dances around with a gentle touch of sambic jasmine before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver and lightwoods. Refined is the essence of manscaped, bottled. It's hypoallergenic, so. Lightwood, indeed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, where are you supposed to put it? Is that, does that go in your neck, or is that for the down there region? No, I would, I, would, I would think it's for your neck. It's a cologne. It says cologne. It looks absolutely legitimate. You know, it's... Uh, they want everybody to to give it a try give it a whirl as it as it were but if you go on their website you know everything's on there of course the lawnmower 3.0 the crop preserver the mm. crop reviver which is the ball spray toner 
Have you nice. used that, by the way? I, I know you have that, but you say you haven't used it. The ball. Tool. I haven't. I haven't. I'm so in. I, I'm so enamored by the other one, the the wonderful smelling one. That the I don't, ball deodorant. It. <laughs> Plus, mine are toned, so I kind of you know, mine are in good shape. When they start, you know, when they start losing shape, I might get on them. But at the moment, we're good. <laughs> of course, if they they should make they should make um because they have the thing that that shrinks your balls uh shrinks your because uh, that's the toner i guess right yes um, it's to keep them nice and tight so to keep them nice and tight is that because yeah. because w- shouldn't they have like a smoother <laughs> like a um no that's what the lawnmower 3.0 is for no like like a like a botox you know <laughs> i don't know for the older for the older gentleman gentlemen like you know a little uh de-wrinklifier <laughs> for the for the older gentleman <laughs> how old are we talking uh well you know we got some Alf's age or younger uh i'd, I'd say at least half off age okay that's old then yeah, yeah. Uh, ancient we got some football fans here that are talking about like you know the 70s still okay so yeah I, I we're not all younger folk here yeah i don't remember the 70s but you know my, my first memory of dolphins football was that that game against san diego like in 1981 so that's a long time ago that's 40 years ago <laughs> yeah i wouldn't remember that i was not born <laughs> <laughs> okay like that's my first football memory but well, of course, I, actually i might have i might have just been born so so of course you could use the promo code five RSN and that's 20% off of your order. Everything's on there. Just go on their website. You're going to be surprised at all the things that they have, by the way, very underrated. I know that you got a pair Simon. So I guess you could speak on it. They're boxers. Very underrated. I've never, I've never worn them, but they do look good in the draw. Okay. Try them on. They, they are extremely underrated. In fact, you know what? I'm going to order a few more. Because it's that good, and of course, their their toiletry bag. Of course, the the. I shed. use that. Okay, all of that is, you can get all of that on their website, and remember, five RSN twenty percent off. Okay, you know what's not twenty percent off, right? Deshaun Watson, because you're gonna have to pay through the nose to get an elite quarterback, because it's never happened in the history of the sport. Do I'm we count? Now I, I wondered about that because you've said that before. Um, Jake Cutler, like we're gonna do Jake Cutler now? Yeah, I mean, come on. At the time, sure, Jake Cutler was didn't end up being elite. I mean, but no, but at the time, Jake Cutler, I don't remember him being a top five guy or even either. Well, not a top five, but he was certainly among the franchise quarterbacks out there, like a top ten at least. You know what? I'm capable of arguing that Deshaun Watson is maybe the second best quarterback in the NFL. He's that good. I think he's the fourth best. And that's true, too. That could be true, too, because he could be anywhere in there. But it's hard to keep him out of the top five. Jay Cutler? Nah. Jay Cutler was like a, a, an upper upper half quarterback. Top I mean, was, he even the, was he even the best Jay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just throwing that out there. Yeah, but I'll start with this, okay? And, and I guess we could start here. I ran a poll on the Three Yards Per Carry account on january 8th so it's five days ago it got four thousand votes and i asked this question and i was i was posing the question as if i were nick casera and i'm asking for number three 
number 18, your 2022 first round pick, and Tua Tonga Vailoa? Our listeners said 81.3% no. What say you, Simon? Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, look, let's be clear from my point of view. I highly doubt Watson will be traded because the truth is teams mm-hmm. just don't trade quarterback quarterbacks of Watson's ilk. So with that established, you know, who thought the Texans would be in this position, especially so soon after making him the second highest player in NFL history. But if the situation in Houston continues to deteriorate, Miami are one of the best placed teams. And he has made it clear through conversations that have been leaked probably by David Mulgretta, his agent to Chris Mortensen, that Miami would be one of the destinations that he would go to. What I find interesting, obviously, is a situation now that Houston have sort of changed their tack. They interviewed all these people. They hired Nick Casero. They didn't interview the people that Deshaun Watson had been told they were going to interview and had not been asked about. And the situation I find interesting now is, you know, is Eric Bionemi almost being used as a pawn in the game? You know, if I was Eric Bionemi, would I turn down the Texans' request? Because, you know, it's almost like they're using you to try and make up with Deshaun Watson in a way. Mm. But Watson is, you know, he is clear. He is an advocate of things being done the right way. Patently, the situation in Miami with a black general manager and a black head coach appeals to Deshaun Watson. Three first-round picks. So we would lose three and 18 this year and tour. But if you said that you would come out of this draft with Javonta Williams at running back, a Creed Humphrey, and I'm on Rasant Brown or an Elijah Moore in the third round. So you still keep your two second round picks and Deshaun Watson. I mean, you'd have to think long and hard about it if you were Chris Greer. I mean, we all love Tua. We all think he's going to be really good. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun's right there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's right in his prime. You know, what is he, 25, 26? I mean, you'd be hard-pressed for three first-round picks not to not to go that route. And, you know, what if we're in this situation this time next year with Tua and we're still not sure... And yet Deshaun, you know, look, Deshaun Watson could have been league MVP this season for a 4-12 and team. He played that well, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I think it's not a stretch of the imagination to say the Dolphins would be in a position to select Trevor Lawrence had Deshaun Watson not been the Houston quarterback this year. That's how good he was. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I would be thinking long and hard, and I say that as a guy who's sat on this podcast for the last three years talking about this fat little kid from from Hawaii who I think could be an amazing quarterback who now just plays for us and wears number one. It would be a very, very interesting debate that you'd sit and muse on long into the night. Um, I don't have a definitive answer here and I don't know that any of us are going to have a definitive answer, but I think it's very interesting. Chris? I think, you know, the point the point is raised, and I think it's uh, it's a good one that Deshaun Watson is exactly what you hope that Tua Tungavailoa might be someday, mm-hmm. and you know that's and his his still only being twenty six years old is just you know that's what that's what really seals it. Um, you're like okay, yeah, definitely you would go for it if if the opportunity presented itself. Do I think the opportunity is going to present itself? In two ways, no. In two ways, way, I have to 20, say. He's 25. He will turn 26. Yeah, well, it's, it's 26 September. next season. I, yeah. To me, 20, the age that matters is what you're going to be next season. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I talk about age, I usually talk about that. But um, 
but yeah, so uh, it's not going to happen to me in for two reasons or two and two ways that this is going to fail is one uh, Nick Casario's first move as general manager of uh, the Houston Texans. Um, I have a hard time believing uh, that his first move is to trade away one of the top quarterbacks in the entire NFL right now. Mm. Um, And we do not listen. Deshaun Watson may have hinted at some things at some displeasure over the, the hiring process, but let's push comes to shove. This is not a James Harden situation yet. (laughs) Um, You know, Deshaun Watson hasn't, eaten a billion McRibs and gotten fat, uh, just, a just a <laughs> protest. Um, and you know, that's, we don't have that yet. We don't have that, uh, that declaration by Watson that this, this is irretrievable. Um, you know, that they can't, they can't get it back already. As a matter of fact, they're starting, they, they've requested to interview Eric B <laughs> which was supposed to be the sticking point that um, that Deshaun Watson was unhappy about um, that they weren't even requesting an interview with um, the enemy. So I think one Casario has got to be so nervous. He just got this job and he bypassed Omar Khan to do it. Cause um, cause I think the search committee was all onto Omar Khan and then, um, and then Jack Easterby kind of went around everybody in last minute, you know, preyed on it with the uh the owner and and now all of a sudden they're hiring nick casario he's not gonna he's not gonna make the first move to ditch one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl and if he is that brings me to my second point he is going to rake miami over the coals your price probably is too low your price that you that you speculated on the um on you know the the vote that you did on, on Twitter is probably lower than what he's actually going to ask. Mm. Um, and I, I have this, you know, I have this from people from, from somebody that knows all these guys actually. And, you know, whatever you could say about them having a relationship with one another, Nick Casario is going to try and rake them over the coals. I mean, that's what he's going to, I'm trying to put that nicely, by the way, and not be, um, <laughs> not use foul language. But yeah, I mean, he's he he is really good. <laughs> he yeah yeah he's gonna try to fuck him. Um, and and that's that's what that's what he's gonna do. That's what he's in position to do. And he needs to if he does trade Watson. Do you know how much he needs to win that trade on paper? Hmm. You know, compared yeah. to compared to what Bill O'Brien was doing, like you know this mad crazy trading everyone away and losing every trade. Like he needs to win that one on paper by a lot. Does Chris Greer strike you as a man that loses on paper? In Absolutely trade? not. No. Does Brian. Fl- so he's got a line. He won't cross Brian Flores. Does he, does he strike you as a guy sell everything out Deshaun Watson's the guy whole team, Deshaun Watson quarterback. Let's do it. You know, let's give everything for him. No. No, he's not. He's not that kind of guy. So they have lines they won't cross. Nick Casario will try and cross those lines. So, um, you know, even to the extent that this conversation conversation starts to happen, which I'm not even convinced that it's going to go very far, um, then, you know, it's it's going to, it's going to fail at so many points. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if, I, I won't beat this one to death on on the fact that we should you know, pursue it. 
because I think Simon brought up all the points and he's right. You know, this is a, this is such a high quality quarterback. You have to investigate it. And all three of us, you know, are, are accused of being guys that are just, you know, all about Tua and oh, we're, we're, we're so biased for him and, you know, all this stuff. And, and yet all three of us are, are probably like, yeah, Deshaun Jefferson, Watson. Yeah. We take him in a, in a snap of a finger. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is, this is ultimately just uh, something that we're going to talk about maybe unfortunately, but it's not going to happen. The flip yeah, side and- as well is that if you're Nick Casero, you're not just getting interest from the Miami Dolphins. There are probably 20 yeah. to 22 teams yeah, you know, look at the, the New York Jets have got four first rounders in the next two drafts, their own plus two from Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of t- the, the 49ers have capital they could give up. There are the Pittsburgh Steelers, there are lots of teams. And Houston, obviously, you know, a, as crazy as it might seem from the outside, Houston do not have first round picks, you know, this year. I don't think they have a first round pick next year, they don't have a second round pick this year. You know, they are in a hole. They've got a lot of old players. You know, Will Fuller is is a free agent. David Johnson's been sporadic. The offensive line has been okay. Who else have they got at receiver? But, you know, Brandon Cooks, you know, th- there's a lot of discontent around Brandon Cooks. Defensively, J.J. Watt, you know, is coming to the end of his career. Whitney Merciless is 32. Justin Reed had a bad year. You know, the, who, who are their corners? That It's a team with a lot of issues. But mm-hmm. there are an awful lot of teams out there who would look to Deshaun. Somebody would pay a price. And I'm not sure it would be the Miami Dolphins. Just because Deshaun has said he'll come to the Miami Dolphins doesn't mean to say that Nick Casario is only going to deal with the Miami Dolphins. There are a lot of teams out there. Well, here's the thing. And and here's where it could border on an NBA situation. Deshaun Watson has a no-trade clause. He gets to control his destination. Yeah, but 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 the Miami so he gets to con, uh, assert control over the situation, but the Miami Dolphins have no control over him. Right. Why is he going to get tunnel vision with the Miami Dolphins and that's it? You know, are we that mm-hmm. awesome? No, I mean, and listen, it's a it's a fine destination. I'm sure it's attractive. I'm sure there's a reason that um, whatever was leaked to Chris Mortensen was leaked to Chris Mortensen, but there is zero reason to believe that he would go total total tunnel vision and like, you know, yeah, Miami's it only deal with them to the point where Miami gets, you know, a, a, a cheap deal on it and a cheap deal. I'm just going to tell you, it's not going to happen because Nick Casario is not going to allow it. Yeah. I don't um, think, I don't think he would take a cheap deal. Why would he, he just got the no. job? You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. I, there's a very simple exercise you can do here. Put yourself in his shoes. Would you trade Deshaun Watson? And the answer has to be no. And if the answer is yes, you got to get a haul that's so ridiculous that you can sell that to your fan base when they do come back next season. So yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. And I do agree with you. And it's, it's probably going to have to be more than what I put in that poll on the three yards per carry account, because like, as you said, uh, Chris Greer, and I've been told this by people that know, that Chris Greer is a stickler as far as what he wants on a trade and about winning trades. So, you know, I don't think, I I don't see it happening because I do believe that it's going to be a ridiculous ask. Are they in a good position to do it? Yeah, because they have the assets. But are you willing to empty them all out for Deshaun Watson? I don't know. Makes me queasy. Now, would you, I'll ask that question. Would Go you on. do it, Simon, for all of them? Um, 
for, for what? 318? 318, 2022 first round pick to a talking Vialoa. So that's three first round picks plus your quarterback. And since Chris said, okay, throw in something else. Okay. A conditional second that is more likely to be a third. Mm. Would you do that? A conditional second might get me thinking hard. Um, especially if that was next year's. Um, if you took the conditional second out and you're talking three ones and two, uh, I'd mm. probably say yes. Okay. Because look, you can get a free agency and you can you can pick up a Juju Smith Schuster who isn't going back to Pittsburgh. There's no way they can afford him. They're thirty million, they're thirty million over the cap already. Mm. Um so unless they make, you know, unless they cut Ben Roethlisberger, cut Joe Hayden, cut Marquise Pouncey, all those that that's not happening. You know, if I if you if you said to me that you know the Dolphins in the offseason would sign Juju Smith Schuster, they'd be able to draft Javonta Williams in the second round, bring in Creed Humphrey in the third round, they get a you know a decent a Terrace Marshall or a you know somebody like that. I tell you that that that's not that's a team that's not far away. So I would you know, and, and you know, I know we're going to come on to talk about it, but you know, there is a winter of discontent seemingly hanging over certain portions of the Dolphins' playing staff when it comes to to Tua Tagovailoa. Winter of um, discontent. It's, it's well, like that's a what we're going to go term. through, isn't it? Well, we're going to. Um, so, uh, for those three ones and Tua, yeah, the gambler in me. Well, I mean, I'm not a gambler, but that that's the point. The gambler in me might just pull the trigger on that because you know, when do you ever get the opportunity? To get a twenty-five-year-old quarterback, who's who is the third or fourth best at his position in the league, and is only going to get better, and is only twenty-five. I mean, when does that happen? Never. When? Uh, well, never. Yeah, the, the short answer it's is utterly, never. It's never happened. Yes. It's utterly unprecedented. So for three ones, for the next look at the longevity. Look how quarterbacks are getting older and older and playing better and better. For you know, you you could realistically say because people made the people made the fuss about Mahomes when he signed his contract to say that the Chiefs were going to have 10, 12, 15 more years of Mahomes given his age. Well, Saturday night or Sunday night, I can't remember which one, we are going to see a 45, 43-year-old Tom Brady against a 42-year-old Drew Brees. <laughs> and we are going to see a what 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers, who will also be the league MVP. Well, yes. if that's the case, Brady is. 17 years older than Deshaun Watson. Breeze is 16. Rogers is 12. Yes. You're, you're, you're talking about an extra 12 more years of Deshaun Watson for three first round picks and a quarterback. Yeah. I'd have to be hard pressed not to turn that down. I've got to say. Yeah. And, and he's not a guy who absorbs a lot of punishment. He's an opportunistic runner. If you've ever watched him play, uh, nobody runs. Nobody. Deshaun Watson does run out of bounds. You know how many tacks, sacks he takes, though. He well, he does take sacks. sacks. Yeah. <laughs> and those those hurt, man. <laughs> That's you can, get, you can get hurt with those. I mean, he does. I listen. I, I that would actually be my concern. My my primary concern. Let's play devil's advocate on a on a couple ways here. Why would you? Why would you? What would you worry about taking Deshaun uh, Deshaun Watson? Sorry, I'm saying the, the wrong name. Off off platform plays where he mm-hmm. takes the extra hits a la the way Russell Wilson does would concern me. Yes. But you're always, yes. you're always going to get that with those creative guys. Those, you know, yes. Th- there are but so unlike, few... unlike say a Josh Allen, who is, you know, so big though. five and, you yeah. know, built and made of marble. Um, but look, you at know, the, the... look at the longevity of Aaron Rodgers's career, given the amount True. of long, given the amount of off platform 
plays. But l- also way. look at the seasons that Aaron Rodgers has lost to injury, yep. right? Um, yep. so, Same with Ryan uh, Tannehill. You know, Ryan and, off right. platform throws out of the pocket, a lot of mobility. We've always talked about his toughness. And you know, and that a, a string a string of a couple of bad years just totally ruined him for an entire franchise, right? Absolutely. And now now he's made a comeback. So I mean, so so here's the the devil's advocate that you know why you don't. It's that Deshaun Watson is a guy and always has been and continues to be a guy who holds the football longer than other quarterbacks. Um, he holds it extra time looking for looking for uh, his receivers to get open because he holds the ball longer. He takes a lot of sacks um, because he takes a lot of sacks. You would worry if you, you know, let's deplete our arsenal. Let's throw all our first round picks and, and all this extra stuff that we've amassed, um, you know, that that everybody feels so good about. Let's throw it all at Deshaun Watson and uh, and then he gets hurt. And and then what? You know, and then you've got nothing. You've got you've got nothing for uh, you know. Even if he just gets hurt for like six games or something like that. I mean, I I, I always bring this up because um, it stung so bad. But I, also, it's a little bit ridiculous because it was Jay Fiedler. But Jay Fiedler missed like what six games, and we missed the playoffs mm-hmm. with one of the best teams in the NFL because Jay Fiedler, who isn't even that great, all respect to Jay. Um, missed six games what if Deshaun Watson misses six games you know having depleted your arsenal um you know your war chest in order to get him it it's a it's a gamble like like you said Simon it's a gamble uh the other devil's advocate though is is you know we've gone on and said that the Houston Texans wouldn't do this right that this is this Nick Casario is never going to do this why would they why would they do it well let's play the other side of the coin because one, I've heard Nick Casario absolutely love to to a tongue of Iowa. Um, two, you know, a lot of people have considered it to be almost, you know, almost a certain thing that Brian Dable is going to take that job under Casario. Um, that's the critical one. Yeah, and and Brian Dable coached to a tongue of Iowa at Alabama. As a matter of fact, hmm. he left Alabama after a year long shit fight with Nick Saban because he was trying to get Tua on the field and Nick Saban was favoring Jalen Hurts. So um you know that's that's the reason this is this is the reason that they'd actually think about it maybe is because Casario likes likes Tua Dable if he becomes the coach likes Tua and then you go to the owner and the owner, you know, I infamously or famously whatever uh very religious i i think i would say um you know they've talked about culture in that uh in that building and in ways that i think uh carry implications um and uh you know all jack easterby would have to do is prey on it with the owner and and the owner would be like yeah i'll take the guy that literally plays with the sign of the cross on his face um you know, it, it's there's there are things that could work out to where if it happened, you'd be like, okay, that's why. Hmm. Now, what did, what did you Houston consider player, this? But I think you just sorry, Alf, just for one second. I think you just look at former key Houston players, but on both sides of the ball, you look at Andre Johnson and what he tweeted the other day about mm. how the Texas organization has been known for wasting players' careers since Jack Easterby walked into the building. Nothing good has happened. For the organization and for some reason someone can't seem to see what's going on pathetic joel dreesen 
another player. All I know is when Dre, Andre would speak, he was worth listening to. I do not know Jacoby Easterby at all, but it pains me to see how badly the Texans have been put in reverse, whether it was him or B.O.B., Bill O'Brien, who chased off players like Dwayne, Clowney, Hopkins, and gave up first-round picks. Deshaun knows this. Deshaun sees that. There is a history, a litany of the sorts of things that have happened. Bill O'Brien obviously isn't there anymore, but Jack Easterby is, and he's such a controversial figure, you know, in terms of what he's done. And I cannot understate, because I know people in and around it, the decision to get rid of Amy Palchik as the as the head of media mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. Texans organization went down so badly amongst the players so badly because of the way that she stuck up for the players but also the just the, her organization everything that she did to go out of the way to make their lives easier they carried enormous respect for her she was hugely right widely regarded by media and other uh, team personnel around the league that really stung and i think you know easterby has pretty much put his foot in every dog turd you could possibly put your foot in when it comes to Deshaun watson between the time he arrived as the pastor from the New England Patriots or the pastor rather than the pastor as in the uh, Tagliatelle. Um, but he's put his foot in the, the pastor has put his foot in the pasta and, you know, he could be slipping all over the, all over. I mean, Houston as a city would never forgive him if they got rid of Watson, but I could see a scenario where Deshaun was just like, you know what, how is this ever going to, enough is enough, enough is enough. And he could force his way out. Obviously, because you know, Casario would have to listen to to the offer. He isn't just going to say, give him away. But there could be a point of no return for the Texans. Well, I don't know where it went bad, but a year to the week, they were up 24 to nothing in Kansas City in the divisional round of the playoffs with a really Mm. good team with Deshaun Watson at the height of its powers. It has gone absolutely downhill since there. And, you know, I don't know how they recover from it, but I would say... Nick Casario having a clean sweep and a clean slate to start with, I think that would be the appeal. But again, for him to have that clean slate, I think he has to sell this trade. And the only way he sells it is if he gets that ungodly haul. And Mm -hmm. no matter how you look at it, if the Dolphins do pull it off, they can celebrate for a day, but it would absolutely be a swerve in their rebuilding process. Because nothing in the rebuilding process said, okay, we're going to just accumulate a bunch of assets to send them somewhere for an elite quarterback when it's never happened in the history of football, you know? So, which brings us to the other news of the the week, which is some subversive comments being made in the Dolphins locker room. The Miami Herald's Armando Salguero, I guess uh, Chris uh, Chris has more to say on this, but... Uh, let's start with Simon because, you know, Simon was the was kind of like the first that brought Tua Tungvaloa to all's attention out there. We kind of knew who he was. I had just heard about him. I just knew he was a really good recruit. But Simon, what do you make of this? Because this, this offseason, I don't know, it's been weird. But all you got to do is go to YouTube mm-hmm. and go to each and every one of the shows that down here, all the talking head shows. And Tua is a weekly topic he's not playing anymore he's not playing until next season but he's a weekly topic and none of it is good what do you make of this 
Yeah, I think the optics are terrible from what was in the contents. I mean, I haven't read it. I've, I've seen bits of it, but the contents of Salguero's piece, I think it just looks really bad for the Dolphins because, you know, the, the front office and the, the coaching staff are not stupid. They understand what the narrative is going to be f- for the entire offseason. It's, you know, it's Zach Wilson. Uh, it's Justin Fields. And, I, you know, I'm glad that I mean, I'm glad that Ohio State got waxed on Monday night, but I'm also glad that Justin Fields didn't play particularly well because realistically, that means he's had one really good game this year and, and, and three really bad ones when you talk about, you know, top-tier talent that he's gone against. And that sort of takes that a little bit, the edge off that a little bit. Mm. But, you know, they're, they're aware of what the narrative is going to be. You know, 10 games, you know, played okay, didn't look like Justin Herbert, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, and there's there's quarterbacks are plenty, you know, at the top of the 2021 draft. Wilson, Lance, and um, and Fields, you know, and the option to take one, the opportunity to take one. So they are well aware of it. And I, but I just think overall, players coming out and shitting on, you know, a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback who played 10 games, who had no off season, was coming off the injury, just looks really bad for the organization. And, you know, imagine if you're two a walking into that locker room now you know i mean hypothetically speaking because of what's going on with covid but imagine walking into that or sitting on the the next zoom call that the whole team has you know but when he walks back into that locker room and you look around you think was that you that ratted me out (laughs) seriously because you would but you would though you know if 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 one of us three went into our daily jobs and, and somebody had slagged us off to the press you'd be going into the office thinking Fucking hell, which one are you? You know, you're supposed to be my mate. We're the, you know, we're supposed to go to war together. Yeah. Which one of you fucks ratted me out? You know, who, who is it? You'd almost want to say, look, which one of you doesn't, who doesn't rate me? Why? I, what I know it will do is that I know it will motivate him massively. You know, I think he will be shocked by the outpouring of, of, um, sort of malign towards the way he played, and nobody's going to work harder to get better. But it, it must hurt. It must be a gut punch to think that there are people in your locker room who, you know, said those things don't, doesn't have, didn't look good in practice. Don't think he can develop. Don't think he has a strong arm. You know, don't think he can make the throws. Don't think he can lead an NFL team. Think he already might be a bust. I mean, those things resonate. You know, it doesn't matter if you're you're Fitzgerald's, uh, Fitzpatrick's age or your Tua's age. It doesn't matter if you've, you know, you're Dan Marino or you're Reed Sinner. Those things are going to hurt because you know that's your teammates. That's the people that, you know, you put your hand on their shoulder every week and you, you know, like I said, you go to war with them. So. That's going to sting, and it's going to look. It looks bad for the team. It looks bad for the coaching staff, and and just overall, it just adds to that melange of uncertainty that surrounds the position. Nobody wants that. Chris, yeah, I'm certainly not anxious to to see that happen because I think that it's a it's a terrible look. It really is a bad look for the Dolphins to to have anonymous quotes start coming out talking about the D player, you know, and, and a lot of people are bringing this up and they're, ah, look at the source. It's, you know, it's Armando. And and a lot of people don't like Armando and stuff like that, but I'm like, look, listen, Armando's Armando, but you know, these are quotes. (laughs) It's not like he sits at a desk, you know, tapping a pen to his lips and saying, you know, ah, wouldn't it be fun if this, if if I had a guy say this, you know, and no, that's not what happens. Um, You know, these are quotes this is a, a defensive player that talking about how we have to defend against Deshaun Watson and uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, Tua doesn't have 
physical ability anywhere on par with those. And those are the guys. And, and he's, his outlook for beating those types of players is not good because of, um, because he doesn't rate to a, then you got offensive players making it like 100% loudly clear that they think Ryan Fitzpatrick should have been, should have been starting. Um, it's, it's a bad, I mean, it's a bad situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't underplay it. I'm not going to underplay it and say, you know, oh, it's nothing. It is something. Um, but, you know, is it, irre- is it irrecoverable? Absolutely. I don't think so. Atua has got to throw his way out of this one. And, um, and that's, you know, if he can't do that, then he's not the guy we, we thought we were drafting. Um, but I think you can help him too. You know, and I think that you can help them by planting guys on the roster who can actually catch passes instead of dropping like 12 of them in the last game. Um, you know, drafting guys or pulling together some guys that um, that can get open, uh, you know, getting getting them a set of weapons, getting them culture fits, you know, getting them, God forbid, guys that uh, that know him and um, and like him. You know, that's uh, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Some people are like, oh, you're babying him because you just want to put all Alabama guys around him and stuff. Well, that's <laughs> not that's not it. There's instant chemistry, and that's attractive, uh, especially with two pass catchers like um, like Devonta Smith and uh, and Najee Harris. Uh, but it's you know it's not just that he needs weapons, man. I mean, God, you know what a fucking nightmare we have to get weapons for our young quarterback. Yes, you do. Of course, you do. Um, but. Yeah, I think that this is this is a really bad look. I I was, you know, I I really did not like hearing this, um, and you know that's all that's all there is to it, I guess. What do you make of, of my theory that it's a bunch of outgoing players and it's sour grapes and trying to poison the well on the way out here because they know they're not being they're not going to be back. Could be. I mean, I we don't know who it is, right? So so it's anonymous, and that's and so we don't know. You know, could it be could could it be Isaiah Ford, for example, and he's probably not going to be back this year. Um, or next his year. body language, uh, I told you, and and I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking any, any news here. Uh, his body language was absolute garbage in that mm-hmm. game against the Raiders. Like yeah. you could see him complaining on the sideline, complaining after routes, mm-hmm. and being demonstrably upset in the in the huddle. So. You know, he would be a good bet, I would say. I think, um, you know, I, I think I'm not revealing anything either to say that um, to say that Mike Kosicki has had some bad body language out there at times um, with Tua on the field and that he, you know, went awfully far in defense of Ryan Fitzpatrick on record, not anonymously, um, uh, you know, and, and Back when um, Fitzpatrick came back onto the field and uh, and threw the, and threw some balls around against the New York Jets, so um, I think that you know we've got candidates. We don't know who it is, um, but overall, it's a, and and the the extra dimension that this that add, that is added to this, the Dolphins have to hate this, right? They yeah. they have to be livid. I mean, to hear this, Brian Flores is probably you know not happy. Um, and so whoever said this to the, to Armando knew that had to know that definitely mm-hmm. knew that. Yeah. So if this was, if these are players that also have something against the dolphins, in addition to having something against Tua, then, you know, obviously you look at 
the quotes a different way. Um, but maybe also the thing that they have against the Dolphins is just how they handled the quarterback situation during the season. You know, there, there had to be some eyebrows raised when Tua was suddenly made the starter heading into the bye week. Um, there had to be some eyebrows raised when Brian Flores went back to Tua after uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, came into the Denver game and then, uh, and then started the Jets game. Um, there definitely had to be some eyebrows raised when Brian Flores immediately declared that Tua is going to be the starter um, after Ryan Fitzpatrick pulled out that miracle in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, so I think that there are consequences to what Flores did during the season, and, and he did it to win. I get it. Um, but there are consequences to that that, that you might not otherwise uh, have faced. Simon, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the talking head shows down here, but these are shows that get millions and millions and millions of viewers every single week. They sometimes go five times a week, like Colin Cowherd. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Dolphins get two kinds of press and they get it consistently. And now it's national and they get it on an almost daily basis, really on ESPN, on Fox Sports, and it's two things. Brian Flores is God, and Tua Tungvaloa is garbage. And that is incessant every single day. What, what, that, has, that has to play a part in, in what Tua is thinking because he has, to, he has to be thinking, who the hell is planting all these stories? Who is pushing all these stories? No? Like, he has to think, like, you know, how is this happening? I don't think he for one second pays it any attention. Um, <clears throat> I think when you've been the the quarterback of the national champion Alabama Crimson Tide under Nick Saban in an era in which, excuse me, in an era in which the Tide have dominated college football, given the intensity that came about, A, by his recruiting, but also then B, by that touchdown pass to Devonta Smith to win the national championship. I just don't think you pay any heed because at that point, anytime you throw a bad throw, anytime you do anything, you know what college football's like, you know what the SEC is like in terms of, you know, Florida and Auburn and people phoning up Paul Feinbaum and, and all those sorts of things. I, I just don't think you pay any attention. You do pay attention when, you know, it, it will be unavoidable for him to, to hear the noise about players from his own team. I think it is utterly avoidable to pay one iota's worth of attention to what Jack from Fort Lauderdale and Frank from, you know, Anna Maria Island is saying about him because I don't think he gives a shit, but I think he does give a shit about what's said in his own locker room. And, and I think he'll probably feel privately, I think he'll probably feel slightly betrayed by that. And I don't think he's wrong to think that. Yeah, and l let me say this, that, you know, it's, I don't know, because uh, I, I, some guys really do care, and some guys really do pay attention to what's being said, because you see them, they see them, you see them at, that they actually have, like, some, some of them have burner accounts. Kevin Durant's one of the best basketball players in the history of the NBA, and he was found out to have, how many burner accounts, Chris, did he have? Like, two or three? <laughs> Where he kept spying I only on knew about the one. But he kept spying on what people were saying on him about him on, on all these shows. And then he started calling into the shows to refute what he's saying. Well, if Tua Tungvalu pays any attention to all of these shows on ESPN and on Fox Sports, all he hears is about how he should be replaced and how he wasn't that good and how he's overrated and how he's garbage. Now, let me ask you both of you a question of how this gets handled going forward. 
Did uh, did either of you see the movie The Departed? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You saw the movie The Departed, Chris? Yeah. I don't remember it that much, but yeah. Okay. Well, for for our listeners that you know don't know the movie or not familiar with the movie, there's a part in the movie where, uh, for lack of a better word, there's a mole hunt. Okay. Jack Nicholson is looking for the rat. Who is the guy who's ratting out his organization? And he looks at uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is having a conversation with him and he says usually in this kind of situation I just kill everybody is it as simple as just emptying out that entire wide receiver room at least for those that are not worthy keeping Devante keeping Gasecki, and just trying to jettison basically the rest of this group and just starting over with that unit after all of these subversive comments if they are coming from inside that that locker room is it as simple as that Simon no, because it could be anybody. I mean, I think we're just making random guesses. I, I you mm-hmm. know, I think, I think, you know, we live in a fair and hopefully law-abiding society. I know we don't, you know, that's not always been on evidence the last few weeks, but you know, that's what we do. You can't just go finger pointing at you know people that we think might have said it because we have no basis in fact for that whatsoever it could have been anybody quite frankly it could have been offensive lineman it could have been defense you know it was clear that a defensive player made a comment about it because the, the quotes say that a defensive player made a, a comment about it so do we get rid of the linebacker group or do we tear up the defensive ends or how you know i, I just don't think you, the, the wide receiver group will be torn up not by what it says to the national press it will be torn up because of its average play i don't think any of us are under any illusion that that won't happen mm. But I just don't think you can go around finger pointing without a pretty hard cadre of of evidence in your back pocket because that's just not the way it works. Now you now uh, before Chris goes on this, Simon, you find out one hundred percent certainty the player tells you he did it. Do you sack him right there on the spot? No, of course not. It's his it's his prerogative. You know, I'm not happy with it, but why would I? I I wouldn't say he's broken no rule unless there is a specific rule that says players cannot talk to the to the media about things that happen of course of course not and also what if it is Devonte parker what if it was xavier howard it's the one rule for them compared to what if it was jamal mm-hmm. perry or what if it was you know jimmy johnson says there is <laughs> kirk merritt well then but then you know is that the ship that you really want to be running uh, yeah, you can't yeah. you can't have one rule for the bottom of the roster run one rule for the top of the roster because otherwise but, you just end up alienating the players flores can't flores can't do this Flores can't have that two separate sets of rules thing. Uh, maybe some other coaches can get away with it, but Flores has already built his credibility in that locker room um, along with some of the defensive coaches under him, like Josh Boyer on the best man plays and, you know, this, this sort of egalitarian um, structure. Uh, and so he can't, he can't be a guy that can afford having one rule for, as as he suggested, Xavier Howard and another rule for Jamal for Jamal Perry. Um, so no, n- nothing nothing happens as a direct result of uh, of you know finding out who this was. Uh, I think the wide receiver unit stands a chance of being torn up uh, for different reasons, as Simon alluded to. I think uh, I don't think uh, Devonte Parker is immune from that. Um, so you know, I would just keep an eye on that because there has to be one, you're going to have an, an whole new offensive coordinator and we might get into that as well. But, um, and so there's going to be a new system in play here. 
Um, it might require different kinds of receivers. Uh, two, I think Tua requires different kinds of receivers anyway. Um, well, not really requires. That's not the right word, but um, I think he does better. Certainly, certainly at Alabama, Sarkeesian, Steve Sarkeesian um, operates under the philosophy that he never wants he never wants his receivers to be uh, standing still when they catch the ball. Um, because if uh, if Julio Jones is standing still, then then I can cover him. Um, so, you know, he says, he's like, I've, I've heard him at a clinic say that I'm not sure I called a curl route all year. Um, and mm-hmm. so what, it, what he gets, he gets guys on the move. He gets guys like Devonte Smith and, and Jalen Waddle that, that are fast and create separation. Um, that's what Tua is used to. Tua got to a new system in Miami where, you know, the Chan Gailey, Ryan Fitzpatrick system where they like throwing it up to big boys, um, and, you know, sometimes it is on those uh, on those curls and and comebacks and um, and maybe it didn't always look as hot adjusting to it. I think Miami probably, if they're being honest with themselves, know that they have to move in the direction of what, you know, fits the quarterback. And so, yeah, that, that receiving unit might get ripped up a little bit anyway. Um, and, and then it'll all be moot. But, um, you know, it's just it's just an unfortunate thing to happen. And, um, and I don't think we'll ever really know who it was or, um, you know, for sure. And those guys will probably be, but it just puts all the more reason in my opinion to, to go out and get guys like start building your core, start building the core. That's going to grow up with Tua Tunga Vilo. Cause I doubt, I very much doubt it was Lynn Bowden. I very much doubt it was Malcolm Perry. You know, the other, mm-hmm. the other young guys that are in there um with him or austin jackson or uh robert hunt and you know i i doubt it's a member of his own yeah, rookies, class rookies of, tend to not talk too much they, they don't talk subversive yeah. out of fear of not having a job next year you know yeah so so i think you know there's there's something to be said for for building offense you know kind of almost generationally where you're you're getting guys that are growing up at the same time as him um you know, and, and that's, and, and I think that's what they need to do. And that's what we talk about when we talk about the draft and getting guys like, uh, like a Devonte Smith or, um, you know, Jamar Chase, which we probably haven't talked enough, who we haven't probably talked enough about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And as far as the, the coach that, that once said he, that he did have different rules for, for different guys was Jimmy Johnson, because one year he cut Kervin Richards during a meeting Kevin Richards was sleeping through a meeting. He's a, he was Emmett Smith's backup running back and he cut him right then and there. And he was asked by a, by one of the beat writers, you know, what would you do if you caught Emmett Smith sleeping in that same meeting? And he said, I would have gotten him a pillow. <laughs> so he obviously, Jimmy Johnson obviously had different set of rules for different set of guys. Okay. He made it work. I don't know. I, I tend to agree with you that you can lose the locker room if you start playing favorites. But, you know, this kind of subversive behavior, you know, taking a dump all over your newly minted, you know, fifth overall rookie quarterback, I don't think is a good look. It's a bad look. And it also gets Brian Flores asking, you know, having the answer questions. He's going to be at the combine. If he's not at the combine, he's going to be at the senior bowl. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. I will bet dollars to donuts. The first question he is asked is going to be about that, about what certain players anonymously said to the press. And I know that's going to frost his ass. 
Now, talk about frosting your ass. Like, what's happening with the offensive coordinator position? We, we're hearing of no interviews as of late. It's too easy to say that they're just going to promote from within, but Simon, I guess you can go ahead and say it. Are they going to promote from within? Because it doesn't look like they're interviewing anybody. Well, we've been told that interviews are going to be carried out this week. I think it's just that we haven't been told who they are. And I, I respect yeah. the process and the fact they've kept it to themselves. Uh, you suspect Anthony Lynn will probably be a name involved. You wonder whether Doug Peterson might be interviewed. But really, we've not heard anything. Um, you know, Chris has, uh, has mentioned rightly in the past that uh, Flores has talked about Eric Studsville as being a potential offensive coordinator. Is it now his time to to step up. Um, we shall see. But I think it's, you know, uh, and again, as Chris alluded to five or 10 minutes ago, you've got to build, you've got to get the guy who's going to build the right offense around the kid, you know, because if you don't do that, then what's the point? You know, you've got to get a guy, if you're considering taking Devonta Smith at uh, pick three, you've got to be a guy that knows that you don't just want him outside the numbers every snap, because if you're doing that, then you're not really getting the Devonta Smith that played at Alabama. You need him in the slot. You need him in motion. You need him coming out of the backfield. You need them doing all sorts of things. If you're just going to line them up outside the numbers, then you may as well not take a receiver till the third round um, because you're just you, you're getting 65% of what the kid does really well. So, you know, if it's Anthony Lynn, it looks like it, you know, it would head back to a it would head back to a run heavy scheme. But then, you know, he runs a lot of inside outside zone, and we don't have a lot of zone. You know, we have big, powerful. You know, you look at Deontay Brown, the Alabama left guard. You know, if yeah. we're carrying on the theme of which we've, you know. We've had this year certainly with those. You know, you look at Kinley, you look at Hunt. Well, Deontay Brown is, is ideal for that, but is he an inside outside outside zone guard? No, he's not. You know, Elijah Vera Tucker of USC who's played left tackle this year, but played guard. Now that there's a guy that can play zone for you. So you know, but if Anthony Lynn is going is going to come in, does he have to change his run based philosophy to fit in with what we want to do, or have we just got the wrong players and therefore we need to start again? I, so. I think stylistically, actually, that might not be the fit. So it wouldn't surprise me, ultimate, ultimately, excuse me, if it came down to Godsey and Studsville and, you know, may the best man win. Yeah, Chris? The complaint I'm hearing uh, from, you know, from people, from some of the people that I usually talk to that, you know, speak with people in and around the Dolphins and so on and so forth, um, the complaint I'm hearing is that it's tight as a drum <laughs> that, that nobody is saying anything. Um, and I think that there are people that are maybe that maybe know Brian Flores that would say that are aware of how glowingly Brian Flores speaks about Anthony Lynn um, that would say, you know, okay, Anthony Lynn then. Um, or, but then there are people that may have noticed uh, Brian Flores speak highly of Eric Studsville and how, you know, make him, isn't he assistant, uh, some an assistant head coach or something like that? Um, I think he has some kind of assistant yeah. uh, job. Um, you know, notice that that's a big deal. Uh, notice Brian Flores saying he is a future coordinator and future head coach. Um, if, if you're saying that about a guy and then your coordinator position opens up and you don't even interview him, then you look full of shit. So, um, you know, I think that, <laughs> I think that there's uh, there's something to be said for, you know, just kind of predicting it, but it is tight as a drum. We don't know, um, you know, what's going to happen. The eyebrows were raised when Brian Schottenheimer just got just left Seattle. And I'm almost 
you know, it I would I would feel it will not be him. I, I was no. going to say I'd, I'd put money on him interviewing. Uh, I mean, he I'd, has been. I put five dollars on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he might get an interview, but he's been consistently the worst offensive coordinator in the league over the past three years, and is literally only in a job because his old man's Marty Schottenheimer. He's a terrible offensive coordinator. You look at spacing, you look at the play calls. Uh, that offense is absolute junk. It's terrible, and it only gets by because he's got a great quarterback. It's a shit offense, and he's a terrible coach, genuinely. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sit on that. <laughs> Which fence, means he'll man. be hired tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, if he gets hired, then uh, yeah. wow. I remember. I remember. I, I'm old enough to remember for, when, when he was a hot name. He was a hot coordinator name. You know that that guy interviewed for head coach jobs. Before. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. I I think I think what's really unfortunate is you you just hired him (laughs) like by going off on that rant just now I know how jinxes work all right (laughs) you just hired him uh so it's your fault um but anyway it it is tight as a drum uh we don't know who's really going to come and come and be interviewed for it um you you look at I, I think that there might be you know Brian Flores I kind of speculate that he might want to go with somebody like Anthony Lynn or Eric Studsville, uh, maybe George Godsey, but there's, you know, we've kind of speculated on that, but there's nothing solid that we would go on to say it would be George Godsey necessarily. Cause you know, Flores said about Studsville that he's a future coordinator. He didn't, I, I don't know. I don't remember him saying that about Godsey. Um, he would probably go with one of those guys and because the ground game is important to him, but I think he's probably got a lot of people in that organization in his ear saying that you need to get a, you know, so-called QB whisperer um, and build around the young quarterback around Tua Tonga Vailoa. Um, so that might be why they've opened it up to a, to an actual round of interviews. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, which way that I personally, I mean, there's a guy up in Tennessee that has done wonders with Ryan Tannehill named Pat O'Hara um, that, uh, that I think would probably be a fen- phenomenal interview um, at the very least. Uh, you know, there's, there's people, there are people around the, the league, uh, Shane Waldrop, no, Shane Waldron, I believe um, his name is, uh, uh, he would make a good interview. Um there's there there are some young guys kind of up and coming, but um, but you you also kind of wonder oh are they gonna go with a young guy who's unproven um, when the stakes are so high trying to develop to into something um, I don't know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to find out what about the the New Orleans guys the the set yeah. Carmichael and Lombardi uh, isn't that the best fit and. Wouldn't that be the easiest pull from from there? Like, wouldn't that be the easiest get? Yeah, I mean, it could. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you know, yeah, I, I'd be surprised, frankly, if it's that. I mean, I think Mike Kafka is an interesting name, but it feel it seems like he's interviewing for the head coaching job in Philadelphia. Um, mm. You know, I think um, Ken Dorsey is an interesting name mm. that. You know, we haven't talked about a great deal. Um, uh, who else is there out there? Just trying to think. There's there's a lot of guys that we like, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a guy that we've probably just not talked about on any sort of any sort of level. Um, I'd know, give you one we, sexy name, but it's not going to happen anymore because he got himself a really good job in the SEC. But that's Lane Kiffin. Like, yeah. would it have been a sexy hire or what? Gus Malzahn, Mike Lafleur. Yeah, would have been. 
you know, mm-hmm. Juice Staley. I mean, what's happening in Philadelphia? You know, um, these are interesting names. I mean, as long as it's not as long as it's not shot on. Well, I mean, pet, and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson just got. Doug Peterson Wax. just got canned. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's that possibility, and Tough I think I think one thing that you have to consider. Guy won a Super I think Bowl the one thing years to, ago, man. Yeah. And he gets, I, yeah, he gets tough, thrown out but, on his um, ass this year. Tony Elliott. The, the but Brian, Brian Flores. Well, and also, I mean, I, I can't go a minute on my uh, Twitter feed without getting Rhett Lashley. Um, so, yeah, you know, man. there's that too. But um, uh, so, but I, I think the thing to consider, though, is that whoever this is, could be sort of like the head coach of the offense because Brian Flores is so defensive oriented. I know that Brian Flores likes to be the head coach of the whole team. And so he's not really going to consider it that way, but if they're steering toward, you know, a former head coach like Anthony Lynn or a former, you know, or Doug Peterson, um, that could be why. Uh, and, you know, I've speculated before that maybe they get some defensive help so that Brian Flores can spend more time with the offense, but, um, but I think that the powers that be in that program, uh, you know, the Steve Rosses, the Tom Garfinkels, um, those guys are, are going to be, you know, they want, they want like an A plus higher, right. And they, and they're, they're, mm. they're trying to get so that they're going to look at these, uh, these head coach fire, uh, fired head coaches, um, to try and, and get one of them too. Luke Getze would be an interesting name. He's the Packers passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. He's done mm-hmm. a lot of work with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron gave an interview the other day talking about how he's embraced the check down so much more. And that comes from a lot of Getsy's teaching. He would be a very interesting name. Anything to read on as far as Brian Flores and his coaches that they don't seem to last around here? Like, it's two years, two different offensive coordinators, two years, two different defensive coordinators. It looks like Josh Boyer is going to be the first one to be the holdover. So, yeah, I don't know. Defensive line coach Marion Hobby's leaving. You know, that's a loss, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big mm-hmm. loss. That's a guy, if you watch him in training camp, well, you could tell that, that he's a guy that people actually do look up to as, as an authority figure. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. Is there anything to read look into at the it? offensive? Look at the offensive line coach, though. Yeah, fired him before he got out of he got out of training camp. <laughs> yes, I mean that's that really told you something. I think um, yeah. that that set it all right there. That set the stage for him canning Chad O'Shea after just a year. Um, you know, and and of course, um, Patrick Graham leaves after just a year, uh, and. Yeah, I think it really set the stage. And yeah, there is something to this. I think there, and and it's not necessarily there's there's good aspects of it. Um, holding your coaches to the same to the same standard you hold your players to. The players know that they get they get their asses whacked pretty easily if they if they screw around. Um, and so it's probably got to feel you know equal to them that the coaches are the same way that they're constantly being evaluated too. Um, so that's, that's a good aspect of it, but the other, you know, where's the continuity and, and what coaches are going to want to work with, you knowing that they might get fired a, before training camp is even done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to say that there's, there's an issue there, but you know, the evidence is piling up, I would say. So, yeah, I think that yeah. this is a pretty important hire. 
because it can't it be is. three. It can't be three offensive coordinators in three years. Like that has to stop, especially with a with a rookie quarterback, a developing team, a team that just won ten games. You want to win eleven. You want to win twelve. You want to challenge for a division. You want to play for a championship. You can't. You can't be changing coordinators like you change your underwear. You know, and it's and especially and that with Tua Tagovailoa there. And that leads me back to you know if you hire a super hot assistant coach, do you get Scott Linehan, you know? Um, Mm. And, and, you know, after a year of a hot, a hot assistant coach comes in and becomes your offensive coordinator and you have a good offense and then he gets hired as a head coach the very next year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with Chan Gailey, they pulled him out of retirement. Well, nobody else was going to hire him away. Uh, He might've retired, you know, he did retire a year later. Um, but going with a fired head coach, you know, it's hard. It's sometimes harder for those guys to get rehired than yeah. it is for Adam, the next hot dot. Adam Gaze. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> no. Did wonders. Did wonders with Peyton Manning. Quarterback guru, apparently. Yeah. Quarterback whisper. Yeah. yeah. Tannehill was at his best, right? <laughs> when, yeah. when he took over. Oh boy, does he interview? Does he? Brian Flores, I don't think gives a crap, you know, what anybody thinks, but I think the owner does. And I think the owner, I think the owner is probably sending a note to Brian Flores as we we do this podcast saying, uh, you know, good luck this week with all your interviews. I hope you get the right guy. Uh, No Adam Gase, by the way. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that that's what the, the, the note says, you know. But yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, my, my sexy pick, I think it was so perfect. Too bad he took that stupid job. And, you know, but hey, a head coaching job in college football at a big school is pretty good, man. But damn, Lane Kiffin, he was already down here. And he's in love with Tua Tungavailoa. What a perfect hire, huh? Adores him. Yeah. He would, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He, was, he wasn't there for the, the 2018 season, right? Or he was? Let's see. For, so. To his French freshman year, or he was just involved with the recruitment. Maybe the recruitment, but yeah. Well, Lane is the one. Isn't isn't Lane the one that left that um that forced Steve Sarkisian Sark to so, to call yeah. the call the the championship game? Yeah, yeah. So so, so Lane was there for that season then for to his yeah. freshman year. Okay. Yeah. Well, his freshman year is when when he won the championship. He got yeah. finally put in at the end of the season, and he won the championship. The, so the next year is the year where he really started. You know, that was his first his first year as a starter. Um, maybe that was it. I don't know. Yeah, I'll look it up right now. But what a perfect hire that would have been because his name as a head coach is absolutely mud. So we could have hired that guy. He could have been here for ten years trying to rehabilitate himself. Except for college, and if he's willing to go back to college, then you're always worried about him ducking in and out. I mean, how many jobs has Lane Kiffin had now? Okay, he helped with the recruitment of Tuatonga Vailoa. He helped recruit him. He did not coach him because he was already at Florida Atlantic when Tua showed up for spring ball. Okay, so that's why he talks about him all the time. I guess he had a hand in recruiting him, and I guess he wanted Mm -hmm. to take a little bit of credit. (laughs) <laughs> you know and he said oh you know uh I, I did that you know give me credit so all right 
So there's some games this week. I guess we could finish up here. Games this weekend, Simon. How does this go? I guess we could start in. Let's start in the NFC Saturday. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a run, guys. So, but I will give you uh, what the game is. So Saturday, Green Bay will win. Uh, I think Kansas City will probably beat the Browns, although it's the 31st run defense against a team that runs the ball really well. Uh, I think New Orleans will beat Tampa Bay, and I think that uh, Buffalo will eke past the Ravens to give us Saints at Packers and Bills at Chiefs. And I nice. think it will be a Bills-Packers Super Bowl. Nice. Chris, thoughts? Rams-Packers, Saturday. That's the first game. I have no idea. And I don't know <laughs> the Dolphins aren't playing anymore. I'm not even paying attention. <laughs> I think the Packers should smoke the Rams uh, on Saturday. I like, uh, I, I pretty much like everybody that, that Simon likes. Bills over the Ravens. It, it's no surprises this weekend. Saints, Chiefs, Bills, Packers, all the favorites make it into the championship round. All right. That's it. There is no more. Next week, maybe we could get into evaluating the roster a little bit ahead of free agency, which is exactly. 47 days away as of right now 57 days away so it's a little under two months away that's a lot of days yes it is uh let me see yes it's actually a little under two months away free agency so that's it there is no more we will talk to you guys next week thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.